Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And while my technology sucks ass today, thank goodness for PC Tunney and his technology working very, very well. That's right, kids. I sound a little different because my computer is sad. Skype on my computer is sad and has decided it doesn't want to work. It does seem like, honestly, if I were to be 100% transparent, my laptop's ability to stay on the internet, that seems to be the problem. So we have got quite the show in front of you today. I am joined. As usual, by PC Tunney, Mr. Saturday Night himself, and my good friend, the lawyer, David Ungar. But there is no Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 9,722nd. His family exploded in the off time, and he is not here to celebrate. So boo on Ray. Honey, how you doing? Should we? I think we should boo your computer because Ray is not here. Yes, it's Ray's fault that my computer's not working. Boo Ray and my computer. All right, there we go. So it'll be an interesting show today. We'll see if I stay on the call. That'll be the real challenge here, as it seems like my computer isn't working. It seems like we're doing well uh, via the cell phone. So thumbs up. Yes, very nice. Um, And I don't even, I've never even seen that movie. I know, right? I've not seen either of the Borat films. Shame on me. (laughs) Isn't that quite the conversation we could have? Me lecturing you on not seeing Borat, you lecturing me on not having seen Shawshank Redemption. Everybody lecturing Ray on not watching Flash Gordon. (laughs) Here's the thing, is I will say, of the the more egregious of the two films, I I still feel that not seeing Shawshank is the more egregious of the two. Uh, I've never been a big Sasha Baron Cohen fan anyway. Uh, though I did like the idea of him playing Freddie Mercury uh, when he was originally cast as Freddie Mercury for it, the Queen film. In rare moments like this, I can be the show off of the bandwagon and be like, well, the original Dolly G show on HBO was much better to me than his Borat character. So go back and check that out. Interesting. I've heard good. I mean, I've often things about the Ali G project. So. Oh, easy. Best out of uh, all it's we have quite the show today, though, fellas. We are going to cover what I feel was the the craziest, most mind-blowingly best episode of Loki Season 2 yet. Uh, I Huge. We got a trailer park and a half of, of some... We went, I went a little documentary heavy this time, but a couple of really interesting docs, in my opinion, that I hope people will, will like. Uh, and then just a ton of news around the Nerdosphere. Uh, mostly surrounding uh, our, our actor strike and the consequences of said actors strike as they were, there were just a ton of delays announced. We got our first look at a couple of movies, uh, lot, lots of good. So with all of that, uh, let's not waste any more time and let's get right to it. Uh, we got some Marvel music this week. Right? We can't do the old timey Marvel, Marvel music again this time. So Dave, Dave you got anything? I don't nope. have anything, but Tony, you got any Loki nope. stuff? Tony, I mean, you got, just, you, got, you got some music? That I, that I got, you know. Yeah. 
You comes in here with no money. You ask for something. I gives you something. It's not good enough for you. Next time you comes back, you better have some money, huh? A fucking clown. I'm here to amuse you. <laughs> so uh, the world blew up. Or, uh, every timeline blew up. Uh, I, I, spoiler alert. Let's get to. We're going to talk about the end before we get to the beginning uh, of episode four of season two of Loki because. Holy crap! Yes, Tony, you already can you start? Can you start with your your um, uh, DM message? My DM never... me- oh, to the group. Yes. Which was let's see. It seems like okay. So I'm definitely having problems with my laptop uh, as I cannot even bring up anything. Oh, there it comes. Having connectivity issues, but that's not the right DM thread. Let's go to this DM thread. That's not nothing is loading. Everything sucks. Here we go. I got it. Friday, 9.46 a.m. Does that sound about right when you finished watching? Yes, I was out sick. So 10, 10, uh, 40, 10 yes, 46. I was out sick from work. I was, I was home recovering. Holy shit, Loki, followed by whole, period, Lee, period, shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to which, like. To which I am, you know, it's Friday. Not everybody is not, you know. So I'm like. Mute conversations. Don't want to hear any of this. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Which I didn't spoil anything else out of no, the you show. Didn't. No, you did. Other yeah. than I said, loved this one. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, as I was home, as I was home recovering, knew that I was going to be able to watch the episode. So I, you watch this episode, which has been culminating. So we, we wrapped up episode three, right, with Victor Timely being brought into the TVA. Uh, his bio signature is what is needed to open these shield doors to then presumably repair the the temporal loom. God, I feel this is just like the nerdiest conversation to have. By the way, you know TVA temporal loom, varying branches, all this shit. But Victor Timeline, Victor Timely was needed. They needed his aura to open these shield doors so that they can go potentially re- repair the the temporal loom. We learn. Through the episode, though, that Obi and uh, you're gonna have to refresh my memory on names again. Uh, his super fan, they've come up with an idea of what needs to be done to repair the loop. K- Casey, right? Casey, but they can't. There, there's something missing. It's not quite right. It, it's like an in theory to work. Fortunately, Victor Timely comes in and has been working on this device that he has been working on thanks to uh, Renslayer sliding him the TVA handbook. Uh, Back in 1860, it gives him the inspiration to create this device, which just so happens to be the missing piece that is needed within Obi and Casey's device to put out, um, repair, and basically expand the temporal loom to where it can handle the millions of branching timelines that are running through this um, through the loom. And so it it feels like we get this moment where and and everything's led up to this moment. Of repairing the loom and timely goes out to uh to re- repair the loom and the radiation is so great surrounding the loom that he dissolves into nothing they fail and the last shot we get of the episode is a bright light beaming up loki's face and then the screen goes dark and the credits roll and they pause long enough with the credits that you like well maybe they're gonna do something they don't do nothing and then much to tony's anger they do that tease again where they ran the credits but didn't put the coming up next or the suggested viewing box so you stick around being like, they're going to give us something. They're going to give us something. And they gave us nothing. 
They gave us that. They literally gave us nothing. There is nothingness in your face. Um, before all of that, like just a shit ton of things happen as Renslayer learns that he who remains, you know, miss minutes. We get we get the revelation of the big secret from from he who who remains. It's not anything that we talked about. Uh, does not seem like Renslayer is a um, variant of Kang. It does not seem like. She's Kang's daughter. I mean, maybe she is. It does not seem like she's Kang's lover, but maybe she is. We don't know because everything's going to go through something. But what we do learn is that once she helped Kang win the war to become he who remains at the end, he then directs his minutes to wipe everyone's memory, including Renslayer's, uh, and start running the TVA at his whim. This makes Renslayer so angry that she decides to take over the TVA and make it right. So she goes back to our, our friends in prison, only gets one volunteer to break out and join her. The others sacrifice themselves for the good of multiple timelines. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a ton that happened, and I'm kind of getting all over the place. So I'm going to pass it over to Dave. Outside of the you know, inevitable black screen at the end, what stood out to you in, in this week's episode? Because I'm just babbling at this point. They they answered some questions. Obviously, there's a lot more questions as to what the hell happens now. But they did kind of like you got to see the Sylvia of the future and how that whole scene played out. Who pruned Loki? We kind of speculated yep. he pruned himself. And there you go. He was actually the one who pruned himself, which creates some existential questions, I suppose, uh, which we don't need to get into right now. Um, you had, you know, Brad deciding to go out and, and align himself with Renslayer. You had Renslayer getting pruned at the end, so she's gone, uh, which came as a big surprise. Like, wait, what? Uh, you know, yeah, Victor uh, vanishing the second he walks out the door. There, There's so much in this episode that, uh, you know, seemed to... And, and Mobius just, I don't know, man. Something about Mobius just doesn't feel right. This state of denial that he's in, and Renslayer even... Or, or Sylvie, somebody calls him out on it. It's Sylvie. Still, Sylvie calls him out on it. You never even looked. You didn't even care enough to look. Seemed like maybe that resonated with him a little bit. But yeah, you know, like you're saying, at the end of everything, they fail and fail miserably. And you got to figure that the universe as we know it, every timeline has just exploded. Uh, what does that mean? So yeah, it's it's a pretty, it's funny to me because normally we talk about when is the big episode going to take place. And a lot of times I know Tony will say this a lot. It's the penultimate episode, the next to last one, where you think this is going to be the impactful one. Well, this time, it's the fourth out of six that seems to be the really big one. And I I've read something about in, in in reviews that Feige and all these other guys are basically saying this this ending enables us to go to some different places, which sounds vague and awesome enough to really open some possibilities to where are we going next. So that's. That's kind of what I what I took out of this episode as a more general observation. Yeah, I, and I want to talk a little bit more about that last point after we get Tony to weigh in on what what he saw out of this episode and what he got out of it, because I think that's the that's the big thing to talk about as we wrap this as as we get into the guts of of what we just saw. Tony, um, before we do that, just what what stood out to you? What are some things that really spoke to you in this episode and, and then we'll get into the big con and then we'll get into the big conversation. No, I really enjoyed the fact that we kind of got to know exactly on top of everything else that we had been given leading up to the fourth episode, uh, who Miss Minutes is. 
Um, she is totally selfish. She wants Kang to herself. Basically, that's kind of what it seems like. The, she wants whatever timeline the two of them can make together and doesn't care about anybody else. But where have all these people gone? You know, that's the question overall, actually. Uh, how, do, how do they rectify it? Um, I think uh, <laughs> Victor and, and OB uh, going to sign each other's uh, books is fucking great. That is so fun and smart. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I, I, Loki even puts it to Sophie in a way when they're in the pie room. You know, it's like this is this is the best option we have. This is it. This is all we have. There's nothing else we can do. And we agree we both want to do something about it. So it's interesting to see from everything I've read without saying too much. It 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 there apparently has to be a way for Loki to rectify the situation. And that's where we're going. Before you go, Pat, I did want to say the the Doc Brown references, which I don't remember off the top of my head, but they Ob says some stuff that was Doc Brown from Back to the Future, um, and I trying to rack my brain, you know, because he says it, and I said, oh, that was funny, um, but I can't remember it off. The, it'll come to me when my old brain catches up with me. Go ahead, Tony. All right. I mean, I think Patrick, Patrick, you're about to get into like the what's next conversation, right? In a minute, I, I wasn't, okay. but it's okay. But, no, no, I'll wait. Then go ahead. Well, Tony talked about the the autographing of the books, the time looping that happens in this episode right. was kind of nifty too. Like you know, Dave talked about it. We get to see who at we finally revealed the mystery of who pruned Loki when he was time slipping. The episode did a really good job in the um, in the like previously on Loki rundown synopsis of showing you all the different things that it was going to call back to. Whether it be um, Loki prune or um, or the book being given to Victor Timely and his role, and the, just that little cycle with Timely and Obi, where Obi's like "You're Victor Timely," and Victor Timely's like "You're," and said Obi's full name, and, and you know their little fanboy moment as they realize that one influenced the other, and it turns into this question of these these things needed to happen in order for where we got to, to even exist because they inspired each other in such a way that Obi created the, the temporal loom, but he couldn't fix the temporal loom without Renslayer giving the book that Obi wrote to, Oh my God, I've gone cross-eyed. Like it's, (laughs) it's just, it's crazy how much they like turned on itself inside out and upside down to weave it all together. And then, we, we go dark. So here it is. What happened when they bring out the model for the temporal loom where he says, yep. I'm sorry for the crudity of this model. I, it's not to scale. I only got to put on one coat of paint and they even have the sign on there says not to scale. I actually like laughed out loud for that. I'm like, that's that's a nice nod to back to the future. But it's very well, Moby. It is the best. The best part about it, too, is Mobius finally compliments him. And says, you know, it's a really good job considering or something like that. And then once he says that, Aurora Boris, OB, uh, he, he, his facial expression totally changes. He just wanted someone to recognize what he did. Right. So it's, it's just terrific. It's terrific stuff. Uh, And yeah, and all of this then leads to the end where literally we blew it all up and everything is on the table. Literally everything you could possibly want to do is on the table for the next episode. Basically, Marvel, the MCU doesn't exist right now if you're playing this out in real time. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's ballsy. That takes a lot of guts to do. And 
uh, I'm here for it. Like, sign me up. So Loki wakes up on this imaginary bridge in the middle of darkness, and Anakin comes to him and says, Except for that. Thing has it com- that, completed. Yourself. <laughs> yourself. Yourself. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Dave laughed. I yeah. I mean, getting back to the 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 point though is that it's almost like in most ways that's the hitting of the reset button if they want to go in that direction. Um, now I'm not saying they do, but you know they like you're saying, Pat. Everything's on the table. It is a clean slate right now because what happens when time basically explodes and and you know if all the timelines are gone. Except I, but I mean, does this affect the sacred timeline or does this, you know, is the sacred timeline still even there? Um, so yeah, there's, it's all, like you're saying, it's all on the table and to have this happen with two episodes to go, is kind of like, okay, they got two episodes to figure this shit out. <laughs> where, where are we going to go with this? Well, and so I'm cheating, not really cheating, but I, I did go no synopsis yet for episode 2.5. Uh, they, kudos to Disney for keeping it quiet. They, uh, didn't the director give comments on what's going to happen next? Like it was basically Loki has to find a way to fix what happened. That's well, the, the, that's name the, the name of the show is Loki. So I would hope that that would be true. The thing is, like, but, how do you survive? How, do, how does any of them survive that explosion at the end where time? It's basically the Big Bang or something like that. Right. Well, where do all these, so, where do all these people get sent from? This is basically so the here, question. So I have a theory. Like I have a theory we're going to back up. Like I think, I, I wonder if Loki's not caught in a time loop. You know, we talk about time slipping. What if he's in a time loop himself? Uh, and he figures his, he figures himself a way out of it. Um, at least that's all, that's that's about the best I can do. Because they, they literally have left us with no place to, to, to work from other than, well, what now? Like, Jesus. It's, it's so good. It's such a great, I was very happy with the end of this. I haven't seen any of the critical responses or reviews. I loved this ending to this episode, though. It's my favorite episode so far of this season. A lot of people had the same thing, like like Tony, you were saying, waiting for the. There's got to be something post credit. They can't just end it like that. Just this massive cliffhanger. Like my nephew's the same way, waiting for the post credits. Nothing happens. Like, wait a second. But it's brilliant on Disney's part because you're certainly going to be tuning in Thursday night to see what happened. Where are we? What point in time? You know, how far, like Pat said, how far back have we gone? If Who am I? Why am I here? That's right. Exactly. It's an existential question at the end of this episode. Existential nightmare. That's what it is. Inevitably, we're leading to the Marvels, though, right? So some part of this has to be given. Right. Something's going to be fixed. Well, we'll see. Who's the Anakin Skywalker in this guy? Stop. Well, Stop. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. Let's see. Anyway. Um, yeah, I guess we will get our answers come next Friday or this Friday, as it were, uh, when, when episode five hits the penultimate episode, uh, I'm sad right to talk about it. Uh, he did reply, he DM'd me directly and I was like, blow the whole thing up. Like, that's what I said. It was like, blow the whole thing up. That's literally what they did. They blew the whole thing up. And Ray said, I don't want that. (laughs) So I would have liked to have heard more on Ray's opinion with that. And we'll get more when we get what we actually are going to learn come next week. All right. We are going to head into our first commercial break. And when we come back, we will jump into the trailer park. Got a few films out there to cover. And then we'll do some news around the Nerdosphere. You are listening 
the bandwagon nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Why should you visit the Chairshot.com? The Chairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. The Chairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Patrick O'Dowd, David Ungar, PC Tony, talking all the news business with you today here on Chairshot Radio Network, part of Chairshot.com. We remind you to always use your head. Also, remember to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the Chairshot. Invest in some of that sweet, sweet Chairshot swag. Only $19.99 for short. Or if you're feeling fancy, you want to get it soft style, spend a few dollars more, your giblets will thank you. Gentlemen, it's trailer park time. Another week of slim pickings. But I feel like I found some pretty good ones. So can't do any of that until Dave hits that beautiful banjo. Tony put the banjo away. Dave, I, it was for a fact, man. I know, you were thinking it. You were thinking it. I, thought, I saw the, was. the thought bubble was a head. It yeah. did. Like It was like a little psychic connection anyway dave play that Welcome into this week's trailer park. All right, guys, pickings were slim. I had to go to IMDb and hit most recent trailers to see really what had gone out there that was that was worth the watch. And I came across a couple. One that just intrigued me because every year somebody who was like famous 15 years ago and is still famous now, but like not quite what they were before, they 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 do a holiday special. And this year on Disney Plus. Ludacris is doing a holiday special called Dashing Through the Snow, where he's he's the he's the Christmas curmudgeon. He's got a daughter who's all about Santa and Christmas and the holidays. They come across a a Santa Claus who Luda is a little skeptical and believing is the real deal, but Santa is on the run from some people that want his magic. I, I, I can't lie. I love a good holiday special. I don't know if I'll catch it. It is on Disney Plus, so it'll be streaming. But here's the thing. They did manage to at least get one ludicrous joke in the trailer. And I was like, well played, Disney. Well played. That's ludicrous. I think you're missing the fact that one of the hottest comics around, Lil Rel, is in this as well. And he kind of carries it. He's playing Santa. Lil I'm, well. I'm exactly. This is not for you. This is clearly a this is a clearly a take on Santa Claus for the entire community, but meant to click the boxes in the black community. And I wish Ray was here to talk about this as well, because I feel black like, Santa. well, that's that's something that you don't often see. But at the same time, this looks hilarious to me. I think it looks really funny. I think Ludacris is a lot more popular than you think, given the uh, the heights of uh, the Fast and the Furious 
and uh, and yeah, X, we really we really needed Ray on the show. I know, but I think this looks funny. I think it's an interesting take on it, and I'm interested to see it when it comes on streaming. To be honest with you, so I think I, it's something that's maybe not for you specifically, but is definitely going to do well. I think. I think it's going to be a good movie. I feel like well. I feel like I gave the wrong impression. I want to watch. Yeah, this you're movie. you're the Grinch. That's fine. Not really, dude. I, you're you're talking to the dude who the dude. literally the dude the literally the day after Thanksgiving is pulling every single holiday special he owns. Yeah, and he begins well, watching them. That's just like uh, your opinion, man. See, what happens when you like when you don't have the sound. soundboard, Pat? You know. I mean, I, I, computer doesn't fly. He said, "Dude, I come on, the dude I abides." Did, dude does abide. I love that movie. Haven't watched it in a long time, but. Like I see it, it looks cute. It looks fun. It's very palatable to children. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know who Lil Red was. <laughs> sorry, Lil Rel, Rel. But Lil Rel, Rel. see, I'm, Rel. Again, red. Oh out, my god. <laughs> I'm 45. I'm 45 and white. He was wearing a red suit. Eh. I got three. I got two of the three letters right. Dave, what do you think of dashing through the snow? So Lil Rel, he was a uh, Ryan Reynolds sidekick in Free Guy, right, Tony? That's who he was. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the same guy. It's the same guy. Yeah. Huh, how's that? <laughs> Tony just shaking his head in exasperation. Um, you know, like the last couple of years, there's been like these sleeper Christmas movies that have come out of nowhere and really read like eight bit two years ago or Christmas story Two last year that, that kind of like came out of nowhere. It's like, wow, these are really good. I, I don't know if this will be this year's version of that. It's got potential. I, I agree. It, it looks funny. It, it definitely looks like it will appeal to kids. Um, and like, I, I tend to agree with Tony. It is, it is kind of sort of targeting a specific, you know, section of the community and that's fine. That's great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's I, a key. And that's a, just a, that's a keynoted demographic that usually sure. doesn't get hit in this type of holiday movie. This movie is for everybody, but it is like you said, Mostly the characters that get cast in these holiday movies, they're white. Let's just be honest about it. And I'm totally fine with them doing something different with the whole Santa Claus uh, mythos. You know, hey, let's do something that hasn't we haven't really seen this before. Great. Fine. Let's do that. Let's see a different kind of movie. God knows we've seen, you know, Christmas Carol done 10 different ways all involving white people every single time. So let's do something different. Why not? Um, it, It looks like a fun movie. I'm not sure I'll catch it, but like you're saying, Pat, it's on Disney Plus, so that increases the chances, especially since they've increased their price, so it increases the chances I might watch things more often on there. Ah, there's already plenty of things to watch on that increased price tag. It's it's worth it. In fact, the Little O'Dowd currently, as we are recording, plowing through season 34 of The Simpsons. He, he literally started it yesterday. He's like, I got 22 episodes to watch. As of the, this recording, he was on episode 15. So he's a oh, machine when it comes have to. to have, uh, might have to have little doubt on an episode of DWI for DP to give him a Simpsons trivia quiz. I don't know that he's that good, but he is pretty solid. We're also plowing through Brooklyn Nine-Nine at the same time. That's a call, the, little old doubt Neo, well, the way he just processes Brooklyn Nine-Nine is so underrated as a, as a comedic TV series. It's well, excellent. We'll, we'll save that for the What You Watching segment, though, because I got some thoughts. So... All right, trailer number two. I, I love takes and spins uh, on various classic stories of some sort. And we did get a very brief trailer for a Diablo Cody flick. I don't know if you guys caught that in this trailer uh, about a teenage girl named Lisa bringing 
back to life her crush in the movie Lisa Frankenstein. And guys, I really don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I just know that we are reanimating a corpse that we are in love with. And clearly a lot of people are going to get slaughtered. Diablo Cody, who I think is an underrated filmmaker in her own right. Like I think too many people want to hang their hat uh, on th- and making her a one trick, well, one note director or, and, and God, I'm going to forget the name of her huge movie that made her like mega famous, but Jennifer's body is a much misunderstood horror flick that she was involved with and wrote. This is another uh, output of hers. I have a lot of faith in her as a writer and a director. I'm, I'm intrigued by uh, I'm intrigued enough by this to catch it streaming when I do believe it pops up on Amazon Prime. I want to say um, I'm going to double check it, but uh, looks like a lot of fun. Uh, this one may be one that you guys don't check. I don't know, but we'll start with Dave. Your thoughts on Lisa Frankenstein, a reimagining of uh, the Frankenstein story as told by Diablo Cody. It's uh yeah I don't know if I'll check this one out man I I I I like the premise um the girl who's the lean Catherine Newton who just looks very familiar from other places I just don't remember what else she's been in but I mean it it's got there's a there's a level of I you know there's a it looks like a dark comedy I think because there's some darkness going on as this oh is, no it's sorry it's scheduled for theaters it's coming out around Valentine's Day in theaters uh, from Focus Features my bad. Okay. I, yeah, in that case, I won't be checking it out in the theater, but I'll probably wait for it to show up on a streaming service. It's somewhere along the way. This feels more, I mean, the trailer's Halloween, but to bring this out at Valentine's Day seems a little misplaced, but I mean, well, maybe not because it's a little of both, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, cause it's a weird, um, not weird. It's a, it's a horror movie with a teen romance element to it. Juno, by the way, was the movie I was trying to think of that she wrote that, made her super famous um but here's the other thing you're forgetting dave february is a big month for horror movie releases like late january early february because it's post oscar awards release season and that's when a lot of movies that don't get as much attention that may be in the can or are done get released in theaters because there's not a lot out so this is why Catherine newton seems familiar she's cassie lang in quantum mania yeah okay now now it makes sense so on a random february in front of valentine's day if you want to flip that narrative i could check out elisa frankenstein for funsies tony your thoughts on this trailer it is an interesting take when you put the name frankenstein into the title um and see what's happening here it's not for me uh but i think it's going to get well received by who it's for I think it looks well done. Um, I think it would have been better off to be a, a series of six or eight episodes and le- whether or not you could have carried that story forward or kind of told it again in different ways, right? Um, kind of like the American Horror Story. But yeah, it looks it, it looks good, to be honest with you. It's just not my alley. That's all. I think that's fair. Um, I think it's a look and I look forward to seeing it. Fun, right? Fun? Does yeah. it look fun? It looks funny. Fun and funny. Yeah, it looks like a good time. All right. A couple of documentaries to wrap up uh, this week's trailer park. The first one is a film short that's going to show up on Disney+. Plus. It's called Now and Then, The Last, The Beatles' Last Song. And this trailer was a was really just a 30-second short. And I'm not sure um, how – I'm not sure too, too much of what this is. Uh, it seems like it is – 
going to be similar in the veins to something that Queen just did not too long ago where um, Brian May and Roger Taylor took some old voice recordings of Freddie that were complete enough to put out a full track as a Queen track with just a little work done by the surviving musicians. This appears to be something very similar with some this this song I, i'm assuming the song is titled in is titled now and then that um has vocals and tracks recorded by george and john that ringo and paul are coming back to do and maybe do a finished product of the song there were you know all kinds of connected you know like sean lennon's um son was one of the vo- voices you hear talking about and obviously paul mccartney was on there as was ringo star yoko ono um, all kinds of people who were involved with the Beatles uh, and creating them. And, and we could get a new Beatles song coming out in this documentary. It looks like it's going to take us behind the scenes into the process of how it got built and what that means in the emotional weight. You know, and I think what's really, really interesting about this trailer is literally one of the first lines is Paul talking about John getting, you know, being murdered and how that truly was the end of the Beatles for obvious reasons, like that they would never see him again, uh, tragic as it was. And so for this, it seems that this track is, a, is an opportunity to be with, you know, a couple of guys that they spent 10 years of their lives putting out some of the most influential music in the world. I'm interested in this one. I'm going to watch it when it drops. So straight up, no, no question on that one. Uh, Tony, your turn to go first. No, I agree. I'm interested in what's going to happen here. I was a big fan of uh, Get Back um, on Disney. I thought that was excellent. It was just a lot of footage from them trying to record some stuff, uh, working with different people as well. So to see them collaborate again and get back into that vein of making something new, um, man, that, what if you haven't seen Get Back on Disney and you're not seeing the... Uh, the 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 climb the climatic finish of um the rooftop concert you you have to check it out it just catches you and here's a here's a five by five bands that go hard that you didn't think and bands that go hard that don't go so hard patrick because the beatles should be in that you didn't think they go hard but like listen to some of the stuff the beatles do and tell me you're not banging your foot down on the hard beats on the, on the quarter notes, um, harder than any other like headbanger going on right now. And that's just a, a tribute to the, the Beatles. Like think about the song, just get back and think about how hard that rocks. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. As much as, um, as much as I love the Beatles, the notion of anything new coming out from them after all these years is, it, you know, it, it's beyond joyful that you feel that there's actually a chance that you could get a new Beatles song, you know, what were how many years since John died? 1980. So, I mean, you're looking 40 some odd years since, since he passed away and, um, 30. Yeah, no, it's, it's like 40 years now since he, anyway. Yeah. Um, that's neither here nor there. And it's been a few years since George passed 40, away. 40, 43, 43. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. As much as I love the Beatles, I, I'll definitely be checking this out. I want to see what went into the process where, you know where they got this the the recordings with John and, and George and when they came, you know when they did this, the people involved in bringing this to light, um, that sort of thing. Um, I have not seen Get Back. It's something I need to watch. As big a Beatles fan as I am, it's something I need to check out. But um, yeah, I, this is this is one I definitely want to check out. Anything Beatles related, especially after all these years, anything dealing with John, especially, 
kind of has a, a a soft spot for for me. So um, yeah, it looks like really really good documentary and one that if you're a Beatles fan at all is almost mandatory viewing. I would imagine. Have either of us? I don't think either of us have covered the Beatles on musical chairs. No, they're they're on my list maybe for next year. But you know, I think co- the concept of covering the Beatles for musical chairs. I was going to propose that should be a joint one because that's such a big topic that I don't know if splitting that up sure. between two of us would would do it justice. And there's so much meat on that bone. I mean, even though you think oh, I've heard every story, we know how you 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 think you know, but you really don't. And no one really knows all the details about it. So, um, you know, so that that was when I was going to propose to you like next year. Hey, maybe we should do a joint one. Like when they think like we ended up doing a joint one for Metallica by accident <laughs> that one. Time. Well, yeah, because you because you that was season one because you picked it before I could is basically how that worked out. Um, the other thing that I think is really fascinating uh, just to kind of consider for the Beatles is they were so good that they literally could play you talked about beatles go hard helter skelter is far and away the harder going song by the beatles in my opinion and they wrote it literally to prove that they can do it and to be like yes we can do this too yeah but i like the sneaky ones that go hard like sergeant pepper's the only lonely hearts club band that goes fucking hard in parts if you just fucking sit there and listen to it revolution jesus that's as hard as it gets man that, that's like out in your that's in your face though i'm talking about the ones that are just going hard underneath the lying thing so it's it's hard to argue it's the greatest rock band of all time so we'll uh we'll absolutely all be checking that one out the last one i checked out this is a guy uh that here's the thing he's one of the funniest dudes on the planet i don't think he gets the love that he deserves uh and it's this hbo max is putting this documentary out uh about the life of albert brooks uh, Albert Brooks, Defending My Life, directed by Rob Reiner. Um, and I can't, this is another th- document. I can't wait for this to come out and watch. Because, Tony, you of all people, oddly enough, I am surprised would not be a bigger Albert Brooks fan. Just given your love of, like, curvier enthusiasm, uh, his relationships with a lot of people that you love in the world of comedy, I feel like Albert Brooks speaks your language. Uh, and you really... Like, if you haven't checked out, especially the work you would do, like, I think the best thing that that documentary shows as you're like fighting, like, I, I love this face where you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm not going to because you, 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 you can't accept that Larry David wasn't heavily influenced by Albert Brooks per his own words. Um, but the best thing that they do in this trailer is they start by showing you, showing you um, Albert Brooks performances at various variety slash talk shows and just the different shit he would go out and just do and, and like just live or die on the island one way or the other he's a genius as a writer a producer a performer and he's he's lived a hell of a life and a fascinating life he's in his 80s now this is the right time for this and i can't wait to to watch this movie I can't wait to watch this documentary. I think it looks great. Dave, you get to go first this time. So take it away. Tony, go. Tony, had, he was going to respond to that. Let him go first. Go ahead, Tony. You're Pro- all right. He probably hates broadcast news yeah. too, doesn't he? He hates broadcast news. Um, I, I, I'm like you, Pat. I love Albert Brooks. I think he's horribly criminally underrated. I think Defending Your Life is a criminally underrated movie and extraordinarily clever to the point that you got Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about it. That really tells you that they hit a nerve with this movie that really 
resonated on a different level. I mean, you see so many movies about the afterlife and what it's like. And, you know, and everything that you've seen, I really hope that the real afterlife, if it's there, is like defending your life where it's like, man, you can go to any restaurant you want, not gain a pound. You know, you don't have to worry about any of that shit. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, Albert Brooks is uh, is just, you know, he's a tremendous talent. And I, I agree with you, Pat. I know you and I both love the guy. I think he doesn't get enough love. His influence on people like Larry David, like, you know, some of these other folks is evident just from the brief amount of time you got to spend in this trailer. The swath, the swath of comedians that they show in there, everybody from like a Larry David to a Chris Rock yes. to um, I'm, I'm losing because there was just person after person. It was so crazy. And every one of them is like, this dude is ridiculously good. He is brilliant. So, all right, Sonny, you've got your skeptical face on. Uh, since you clearly hate someone you should love, tell us all about why you don't like Albert Brooks. And so we can tell you you're wrong. There is no hate. And like is an appropriate word. Um, I just, I just like, if you brought this to me at a restaurant, I would be like, can we cook it a little bit more? Or throw some salt on there. Like, I get, I get what you're trying to do. And that's clever. But uh, I'm gonna need a little bit more. Uh, that that's kind of where I'm at. Like I can imagine, see the brilliance behind it. So but... insufferably arrogant that you think Albert Brooks owes you more as a comedian. Wow, that's some Patrick O'Dowd level of shit right there. Like that's that's me saying it's fine. That's now I'm regretting, and now I'm regretting saying it because I'm being compared to Patrick O'Dowd. You should be ashamed right now, and yet also mildly impressed. Uh, uh, the game we like, play. Game, the game we play. It is. It's circular. It's circular, Happy. It's circle. It goes up and down and around. Anyway, I yeah, can't wait to see this. I'm sorry, man. I cut you off as as you critic you critically maligned Albert Brooks. Uh, I I don't think that was the case, but go ahead. I like him. He just needs a little bit more. He needs to give me more. That's that's like that's that. what I like. Hey, you ever heard of barbecue sauce, brother? Oh, Jesus. JR's barbecue. JRsbbq.com. I hear it's overrated. Anyway, all right, that's going to do it for this week's Trailer Park. Albert Brooks, Defending My Life, check it out. Let's get into some news around the neurosphere. That's how we're going to manage the rest of today, most of the rest of today's show. First, way back when, we did a list show where we talked about some of our favorite Saturday morning cartoons uh, of various decades. And at one point, there was a nearly unanimous number one for Saturday morning cartoons that came out of this group. And that was the Looney Tunes. And news broke this week per Variety that GFM Animation will be launching its worldwide sales on the Warner Brothers Animation product produced theatrical feature at the American film market. And it will be a full-length feature animated film The Day the Earth Blew Up. A Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes being our number one animated uh, cartoon of all time. Or one of them, starring not Bugs Bunny, but Porky Pig and Daffy Duck. I think this is a brilliant movie, as that is one of the great animated comedic duos of all time. I don't even need to know what this is about. I just know I get to bring my kid to watch it, and we get a new Looney Tunes movie in theaters down the road. When it is, who knows? But I am very excited about the idea behind this. Tony, I'm going to start with you. This is your chance at redemption after the Alvin Brooks slander. Uh, talk of a Looney Tunes movie led by Porky Pig and Daffy Duck. I'm approach, I'm gonna approach it the same way I would in any in any walk of life, you son of a bitch. Um, no, 
Uh, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The, the cool thing is that it's 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 Porky and Daffy and, and the rapport that they have in a buddy comedy that we're going to see. I'm hoping it's at least 90 minutes. Um, the second quarter of 2024. So we should see it in yeah. the summer. So that's, th- that's pretty cool. I'm I'm down for that, man. Could we get this in 3D, brother? Well, I, don't, I don't know. It depends on the type of animation they're using. Are they using a traditional? Oh, stop. You know, Whatever fucking animation look? works for 3D, okay? So, so you want the digital look did you enjoy rabbit did you enjoy roger rabbit i did okay that was in 3d let's whatever that was i did it was better okay you're a slave to technology i get it dave you saw the first cartoon come out in 1922 how uh how are you feeling about the looney tunes (laughs) uh you know if it's not going to be that quality from 1922 then i don't care uh no I I Actually, think that, I, I can't even start right. I got. I'm gonna. It might. Yeah, it might. You never know. But probably 1950 or something like that. A little bit before my time, might not. Not by much. I, I like the fact that, like when I was a kid, I remember like the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie was on HBO. 1930. Okay. My bad. I aged you eight years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you my bad. My fault. Uh, I and I don't know. You guys are probably young for that, but like the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie was like one of the first things that came on HBO. When HBO was a new thing for kids, and I absolutely love that movie, but but weren't but weren't those like clip movies? Like weren't those like no no they were they were like was, 50, 55 minutes or something yeah, like that. It was well because I remember like I remember there was the like the Daffy Duck Fantastic Island episode where people would go to make wishes in a wishing well, and the wishes would then turn into old like they would then segue into old Looney Tunes episodes. No, this that, when like, they go back to the main story. Where at the very end, Speedy Gonzalez wishes for a burrito with one of the last three wishes, and then Daffy Duck wishes for that burrito to be right on his nose, and end up fighting over the last. Wish. Anyway, go ahead. No, it was it was like half the movie was a Bugs Bunny adventure, the other half was uh, Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote. It was a, a tremendously <laughs> funny. But what I found interesting from the article is that despite all the stuff Looney Tunes has done, they've never made a movie specifically designed for the theaters until this one. And that immediately huge deal that yeah, for that to me, that immediately elevates us to the point where it's like, you know, Looney Tunes is timeless. It doesn't matter what your age is, whether you're five or 55, like I'm about to be, uh, it's still something where it's like, I want to see this, you know, this is, this is fun stuff. It, it resonates with the inner child in you. And it's like, and these are just, I mean, yeah, th- these cartoons are fun. And, and I think a movie with Daffy and Porky Pig is going to be a lot of fun. And I, you know, I, I don't know if I'll make it to the theater to check it out, but I'll tell you, I will think about going to this one probably much more seriously than like, say, Lisa Frankenstein. Fair. Um, don't know that you need to take a dig at Diablo Cody's film. I, I, was, I, I was just saying, if, <laughs> if you got it on a scale of like, which one would I prefer to see in the theaters, I would go with Looney Tunes over that. Not to say the other one's bad, but I just say, I would okay. probably more likely see this one instead. Gotcha, gotcha. I can respect that. I, uh, like I said, I look forward to being able to take uh, the little O'Dowd to see this. He has a healthy respect for Looney Tunes. He'll be all for it. So that'll be very exciting and fun. Um, Let's get into our last little story before we head into our second and final commercial break of the day. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when production was halted by Kevin Feige on the Daredevil Born Again series. Well, news dropped this week that Daredevil Born Again has been, well, born again. And we now have a new showrunner. We have new writers. 
It's, I hope, a fortuitous result of the delay that was thrust upon the series by the writers and actors strike. Um, as we now know that Justin Vinson uh, will be the lead writer and showrunner, Aaron Moorhead, who was involved in episodes of Moonlight and Loki, Se- Moon Knight and Loki season two, uh, are coming on to direct the late remaining episodes, and that this this is where the new direction is going to go. So with Vincent and Moorhead on board, first question is what well, I guess knowing I don't I don't know very much about these guys based uh, based on anything other than the shows that we've already seen that have been produced by them. So, you know, whether it's Moon Knight, Loki, uh, sorry, I, I got it wrong. Dario Scardipay is the person who was brought in to be lead writer and showrunner. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead will also will be directing remaining episodes. Scardipay worked on the Netflix Punisher series and FX series The Bridge. So I guess my first question is, this was originally supposed to be an 18-episode series. Is it going to go 18 episodes still, or is that going to get changed too? Is that going to get reduced? I don't know. Um, I don't know much more about these guys beyond the work that they've done. The the Netflix Punisher series, by the way, if you want to talk about an underrated series, that first season of The Punisher is really stinking good and deserves some more love. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. I, and I really, I enjoyed Moon Knight. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed Loki season two. So feels like guys that are, are going to be good for the series. Uh, what say you? Uh, Dave, Tony, either one of you go first. I, I don't care who. No, I think the fact that they're that, you know, in reading the article and reading the comments that they're they're shifting more towards making it feel like the Netflix Daredevil series and the Netflix Punisher series. That's a positive step in the right direction, because a lot of us wanted Daredevil season four, you know, that sort of thing. And it sounds like this might be somewhat of an amalgamation between what Netflix's Daredevil series was and kind of where Disney wants to go and take him in the MCU. So. I think it's really encouraging. I would be shocked if it's 18 episodes because it feels like they had this idea where they had to set this foundation to bring Daredevil in. And that's why it was moving so slow and all this courtroom drama bullshit. Let's waste a few episodes to set, you know, world building. We've talked about it many times on the show, world building, which is important, but you can reach that point of saturation and overkill. And I feel like they were looking at what they had as far as the product was going. It's like, we've already reached that point. Let's go in a different direction. So, you know, if this is a 10 episode run, I think that'd be perfect for this sort of thing. I'd be fine with that. Um, But yeah, everything that they're saying, they're saying all the right things. They've got the right people, people who have experience on the Netflix side, people who have experience on the Marvel side, bring them together. Probably pretty promising for a good finished product. Tony, your thoughts? I mean, what do we see any hangover from the the daredevil we saw in She-Hulk and what's going on there. And the, the do we see any, then the hangover he had when he left her apartment. Oh, sorry, Tony, go ahead. I mean, well, I just, you know, I think people took to that. Did they not? So I don't think, do we, I don't think they're erasing. I don't think they're erasing what's already happened. I'm saying that, at some point we get like a, you know, of a cameo or something like that. Uh, that was the rumor when it was 18 episodes. So I would hope that that still happens. But, you know, I, without, who knows? I don't know. Without being able to see. You uh, have to figure they, 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 I mean, I don't know what you think, Pat. You think they're moving in the direction where they want to get the defenders established in the MCU. And this series will have some elements of that. 
I mean, who knows? The timeline is dead, and we've got a black screen to work with, so we really don't know. But <laughs> way to bring it full circle, buddy. I mean, in all, in all honesty, I the street level hero thing has is still lacking right now on the Marvel side of stuff, on the MCU side of stuff. This would be, you know, Daredevil is kind of the the pinnacle of street level hero alongside Spider Man. We it would make a lot of sense to continue to try and get the defenders train going, but if you're going to do it, you really got to do it and and not have to it like they sort of did with Netflix. So we'll have to wait and see. who knows. I do think She Hulk makes an appearance. You can't not have her show up, especially when you made him a multi episode piece of her of her story. And it makes a lot of sense for Jen Walters to show up at some point in the Daredevil series. It may not be an 18 episode series, but I think it'll be a, at least a 10 episode series and there's room for him. Like, for I don't really see either, you know, She-Hulk or Daredevil being a part of the, the next set of Avengers, but they could definitely be end up, they could definitely end up being uh, a duo that helps the Avengers along the way. I mean, Jen Walters is, is, is one of the sort of next level Avenger people. You, so think, I don't, you I think she's in the next set of Avengers? I think so. Yeah. I think, I think she's got to be the Hulk. She's got to be the Hulk character in that whole thing. I mean, whatever we'll they're going to do with red Hulk, who knows, but um, I would say right. so. Anyway, um, all that's neither here nor there, but I am, I am happy to see that they, they quickly, in my opinion, resolved whatever they wanted to do with, with daredevil and hopefully this will be um, a step in the right direction and we'll get Daredevil born again sooner rather than later. Okay, we are going to take our second commercial break before we head into some final news around the Nerdosphere. When we come back, we're going to talk about David's boyfriend. We're going to talk a little bit about some movie delays and some sad news out of the world of sitcoms and great sitcom stars that we lost this week. You are listening to Van Wagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. That's right. Always use your head. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Patrick O'Dowd, David Ungar, PC Tunney, talking all the news around the Nerdosphere today. Make sure you head over to ProWrestlingTVs.com forward slash the chair shot and become the third person to own a Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt for the low, low price of $19.99 or spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your giblet will thank you. All right. Dave, your boyfriend's back and he's making movies like Argyle, showing up everywhere. Henry Cavill, apparently. <laughs> I wish I had your boy, my boyfriend's back and you're going to get oh, drunk. Yeah. Hey now, hey now, Dave, boyfriend's back. Ooh, Henry yeah, Cavill's Cavill, back. Right. There you go. Well, Tony <laughs> just picked the outro music this week. Good job, Tony. Hey, it's really <laughs> hey. So it broke this week that in Highlander, there is still a reboot in the works that is probably, hopefully, going to be brought by Lionsgate. They're going to be launching sales at the AFM on their long, as it said here, and according to the deadline, gestating fantasy reboot, which has Henry Cavill, the Scottish swordsman, the, High, um, the Highlander himself, 
and John Wick filmmaker Chad Stahelski set to direct. It's going to be a bigger budget uh, film, which doesn't really surprise me, somewhere north of $100 million according to Deadline. And this is the only thing I don't like, guys. Stahelski himself has previously talked about it as akin to, quote, John Wick with... We'll see. The team is eyeing a 2024 start. So, um, AFM is where um, movies, basically scripts or uh, scripts and ideas are put up for sale for production companies to invest into and buy. Uh, I, given the names attached to it, I wouldn't be surprised if this film gets if this film gets made. Um, don't know how I feel about the John Wick with swords concept unless it's something like there because. In the original Highlander films, and I'm going to assume Dave has seen them and that Tony has skipped them. Is that fair to say? Oh, you've seen Highlander? Probably. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we both kind of, I don't remember much about it other than is it there could be the only fabulous one. Freebirds were in the original episode. The fabulous Freebirds are in the first Highlander movie. Did you not know this? Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm I was just trying to figure out why. I'm movie. aware. I don't know if I brag about it. <laughs> anyway. I didn't, I didn't say it was a bragging point. It's just, it's interesting that the the center of the, the opening action of the film is uh, Christopher Lambert as uh, the young, what is it, Connor McLeod of Clan McLeod uh, in a in a in an arena at a pro wrestling show, the Garden, Madison Square Garden, uh, at a pro wrestling show before he goes and does combat in a parking garage. Uh, you know, the concept, the whole John Wick with swords thing gives me pause. Because the Highlanders weren't necessarily like some interconnected, like sort of society sort of thing. They're all out there, know they exist, and they're kind of hunting for each other in different ways until the quickening when, when there can be only one, as Dave pointed out, after you know they get beheaded. That being said, I mean, we know, can, we know Henry Cavill can handle a sword, we've seen him do it on The Witcher. Um, we know it's his, we know this sort of shit's his jam. So, from that perspective I, I feel like they are they're off to a good start uh I'll, i guess i'll wait and see but uh i don't know dave we'll start with you he's your boyfriend um what do you what do you think about henry cavill leading a highlander flick uh I, highlander reboot if you will i think like what you were saying gives me some pause for concern john wick with swords well john wick kind of has swords in some places anyway so why do we need to do that um yeah, Henry Cavill as one of the Highlanders. Oh, sure. I mean, it's really not that big of a stretch to think Geralt Highlander. Hey, you could even kind of keep the same look. You know, you don't really have to. You don't really have to mess with it that much. So, could it work? Yes, it could work. I don't know if I'm that interested in seeing that project. I mean, Henry's got nothing else going on right now. I don't know where the Warhammer thing is, but sure. I mean. It, it was a, it was a, you know, the first movie, I know they had some spinoffs that weren't so great, but um, the first movie was excellent. So yeah. Could I see him doing it? Sure. He can pull it off. I just, my concern is too much of Geralt would come through and that's not to take anything away from Henry Cavill as an actor. Cause he's excellent at that. But you know, I would be concerned. Does Geralt, does it just <laughs> you look at it and say, all right, this is the Witcher meets the Highlander sort of thing. So we'll see. Tony looks very skeptical about all this. Why didn't we just keep doing The Witcher? Because he disagrees with the source material, Tony. That's why. Well, no, 
oh. he he oh. is so oh. faithful to the source material yeah. that he, he left because Netflix was not. Right. He disagrees with the direction they're going because this is the way it should be. And damn it, if you're not going to give it to me, to quote Ray Cash, if you're not going to give it to me now, I'm going to take my ball and go home. And he did. And good for him. Okay. That's all you got? <laughs> go ahead. Okay. You know, I know Tony wants to play it. I don't have it. I wish I did. But K, that's really how I feel. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. I'm not sorry at all. K. Sorry, not sorry. All right. Well, what I know will definitely make us all sorry is more film delays. As this is just an inevitability here at this point, as the actor strike is going to go. This week, Warner Brothers and Sony have put out a ton of news of various films and blockbusters that are likely to get delayed or are or are already delayed. We've got, it's already been announced, Mission Impossible 8 delayed, supposed to be summer 2024, it's now summer 2025. We know um, Deadpool 3 likely to be pushed back from its summer 2024 release. Wise Guys, starring Rob, Robert De Niro, Beetlejuice 2, Venom 3, Twisters, all slate to face setbacks, unless, according to the production company, resu- production can resume within the next few weeks. Here we go again, fellas. Here we go again. We, we, we are going, and here's the thing. The, the only thing that's really around to kind of fill the void, um, concert movies. Beyonce is going to have a, a concert film that's going to be getting released. Heard this article that is shared out of Variety. Um, we do have the Wonka musical coming up. I don't know that that's going to make a shit ton of money. Aquaman, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I don't know that that's going to make a shit ton of money. The Color Purple Broadway adaptation. That's not going to make a lot of money. It's dicey. It's dicey. And I know it's not a surprise. It just sucks and we have to report it and talk about it. So we're going to report it and talk about it. And, and Tony can just say K and move on if he wants to. No, I I think I can add a little something here. The Eras sure. Tour uh, movie came out and just billions of dollars. Made, oh, it made the movie theater industry like a whole shit ton of money out of nowhere. And why wouldn't they extend that out and 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 every drop? Like the big name band, we just had Foo Fighters on Saturday Night Live. Like you can't tell me people wouldn't pay to go see a Foo Fighters. Beyonce, you brought up Beyonce. There's other artists that people will never ever be able to afford a ticket to go to see at a stadium concert that can go to a movie theater. And it looks like they're letting the patrons get up and dance and enjoy themselves at these things as well. So you're not just sitting there doing nothing. Can I, can I tell you, I tried to uh, buy tickets to see the Foo Fighters at Fenway park. Can, can I just tell you, you're saying it wrong because Christopher Walken was on Saturday Night Live this last weekend, and he did introduce said band. And when Christopher Walken says it, it's the Foo Fighters. Okay. Well, anyway, for three hundred dollars in nosebleeds, I said no, thank you. Yeah, that's rough. Concerts, concerts are too expensive. It <sighs> sucks. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. Yeah. And I love going to concerts. Like that, I, that I that I got Queen tickets for like eighty bucks was like a steal, and it shouldn't be a steal. Like, I don't know, music industry is a bad place when it comes to seeing bands live. It's too cutthroat, it's too expensive right now, and it makes me sad. To where, yeah, I would go see a a theater release of, of a concert of a band I like, even though it's not quite the same. I'd, I'd blame the Ticketmaster. I mean, they are partially... Dave, what do you think? 
it is sad news. Well, I think, unfortunately, next year, 2024, is going to be very quiet entertainment-wise. Slim pickings, baby. It's going to be very slim pickings. I don't think, you you know, all these movies are getting pushed back. Bandwagon Nerds is going to resemble, like, the first season, 2020, when there wasn't that much stuff to talk, because nothing's getting made, uh, nobody's acting. I think, you know, we were very optimistic when the writer's strike ended that sag after would follow suit. That is not the case at all. They are just basically giving the middle finger to the studios emphatically double middle. It's like Stone Cold Steve Austin out here. They're giving double middle fingers and drinking beer, telling the studios to fuck themselves. So this, unfortunately, I don't know if Tony thought that this would be the strike that would last into 2024, but it's looking that way that this is not going to resolve anytime soon. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, next year, I just don't see a lot that's going to be, ha- I mean, it's going to be, the only good thing is 2025 will have a plethora of just, you know, assuming the strike ends, just, you know, stuff on top of each other on top of each other again. So, but yeah, it, it gives me great concern about, I guess next year, Pat, we're going to have a lot of projects and list shows. There you go. Well, I got a couple of ideas. I shared one with you all in the DM thread. Uh, to go along with some of the other projects we worked on. We might have Let's to bring back Patrick O'Dowd as a question. I mean, just to fill in some gaps and stuff. Right. Let's um, let's talk about one final delay. We don't have to talk about the delay of the film itself. It was more about the first look, because I found this really interesting. As Dave loves, Disney makes live-action remakes of animated films because he thoroughly believes that audiences should only see the old stuff, uh, period, end of discussion. We got our first look at Disney's upcoming live action remake of Snow White. Now, funny story, uh, also been delayed. We went from March 22nd, 2024, to now it's been delayed to the 21st, 2025. The film stars, uh, oh gosh, what is her name? I'm not, Rachel Zegler, who is playing Snow White. She, in this, we get one photo. This load photo of her, she appears to be in the classic Snow White dress, short the little red bow. She's not wearing the little red bow in her hair. Surrounded by the dwarves who are clearly CGI. This is a departure from what they were originally. They were originally cast as live action players. And it seems like we've changed that. Uh, it's a reimagined remake, so I'm sure it will not follow the the old Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs story, which all, you know, probably I don't know. It's already said it's not going to focus on the romantic subplot and will show Snow White become the leader her father encouraged her to be. So there's that. But um, I don't know what the, the first look at this, like, if this is, I, I, I have no problem with CGI generated characters of live action people. Uh, these look a little fakey in this image to me, and I worry about how the whole thing will look. Nice smile. That's, that's, that's a fake smile from. Patrick O'Dowd for you guys listening at home. We don't have video, but they just, look creepy. They look like creepy yeah. garden. Notes. Imagine okay, the fakest smile you could think of. That was Patrick. O'Dowd. Um, for the record, I do not begrudge anybody who wants to watch live action Disney stuff. It's no, not, you hate them all. It's not you know, for me. Hates them all. I do. Tony knows that. I do like the casting of this gal, Rachel <laughs> Ziegler for uh, Ziegler for whatever, for uh snow white. Cause I thought she was in Shazam fury of the gods and was excellent in that. So um, I think from a casting standpoint, yeah, that, she makes sense um so that i could i can see that the rest of it yeah you know mixing cgi and live action is a hit and miss proposition and like you're saying it's like hmm, <laughs> i don't know about this one but you know 
we'll see we'll see where they are in 2025 or 2027 whichever comes first sort of thing Tony's like well we know which comes first but you know we don't know which where they're going to get the release from whether it's going to be definitely the chicken yeah. the chicken comes Tony's going to see it in 3D so it'll be fine wow there you go well, yeah. you know what's better I'm glad you brought that up you know what's better than 3D is is a live stage show um, I've seen uh, a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs I've seen the Nutcracker I've seen Christmas Carol I, I've, I've seen Rumpelstiltskin you've seen I've the seen Jeffersons on Ice haven't you no, I have not seen the Jeffersons on Ice. Chris Platt, I know he did a wonderful iteration filling in for George Jefferson and taking care of that uh, down in Atlanta, but I have not seen that. But the other ones, I have seen the live stage uh, play shows of that, literally. Uh, the the Paps Theater here in Milwaukee is legendary uh, for the performances they've had. Uh, the, the, the Performing Arts Center we have downtown is immaculate. Uh, plenty of symphony shows but some of these things are best seen where you have to fill a lot of what's going on with your imagination that's why i feel like the stage shows are so much better than picking apart some animation you didn't enjoy or a movie where you didn't get it particularly to your liking so i just think these are great stories that are best put on a stage for a play uh, you know, perhaps, perhaps, and just for the record, like I still stand by. I like the Lion King remake and the Jungle Book remake that are uh, reimaginings that Disney did. Uh, for the record, so I do believe it can be done and done well. I still haven't seen the Peter Pan one, though I've been intrigued by that one as well. So I don't know when twenty twenty five gets here, we'll we'll have a better talk. Tony, go ahead. Favorite Peter Pan movie? Um, Hook. Hey, we're unanimous there, guys. Look at that, uh, pandemic. Okay, what, we're gonna we're gonna end our news around the nerdosphere on a little bit of a somber note. As Saturday, today Sunday was we're recording this Saturday. Just a really so if you listen to this show, you know that we're pretty big fans as a group of sitcoms, situational comedies, uh, whether that be the traditional three camera shows, shows that I like like Scrubs or uh, Ted Lasso. Uh, currently watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but even old-school comedies from the 80s. We've talked about Night Court, for example, or Cheers, and all all these shows. It's very much something that is important to us at the Nerds. And so it was kind of a double whammy of a sad day when we, you know, when the world received word that Richard Mall, who played the beloved character Bull on Night Court, the original series Night Court, passed away. I didn't realize that he was 80 years old. Which, like, that surprised me. I thought he was younger than that, but uh, was still uh, very, very sad to see. He was probably, when I was a kid, probably my favorite character in Night Court to watch. Just uh, his mannerisms, his ability to, Richard Mall's ability to use facial expressions to to bring comedy, which is great, great stuff. And and then we were hit even more surprisingly by the the surprise passing of Matthew Perry, who was found uh, dead in his home by a parent drowning. And that one, he was only 54. And, you know, for, po- and for folks who know or have ever followed the story, like Matthew Perry, he was known uh, to have struggled with addiction. Uh, and, you know, nobody knows anything about the circumstances surrounding his passing yet. Um, and I'm sure eventually word will, will get around and we will know. But I fear that this is a falling off the wagon moment. That cost him his life. I hope it's not, but I fear that. Uh, but Chandler Bing on Friends, probably the character I identified the most with 
in watching that that show. And like I just he was the character I really loved. I loved his uh, his biting sarcasm was very much the style of humor I I appreciated and and grew to embrace. Uh, I wasn't a big fan uh, Friends fan though. I, I loved him in some of the work that he did in film. Um, he did a movie called Fools Rush In with Salma Hayek, which I find to be adorable. Uh, whole nine yards, whole ten yards. Uh, two really really fun movies that that he's a part of, where he gets to kind of be Chandler, but in a fun sort of way. And so both both of those guys, you know, losing both of them on the same day, just sad, sad, sad day, and felt like it was worth talking about uh, to wrap up the show. So uh, Tony, you dropped the mic. Uh, from your headset, go ahead and give us your thoughts on the passing of both Richard Mall and Matthew Perry. Yeah, Richard Mall, he was so polarizing when you watch him on TV. Just this gigantic uh, figure with that gleaming bald head and just this uh, gentle approach to whatever he did. He was never like overly in your face. Like he, he was he was such the opposite of what his stature was as a as a character, especially on Night Court. So that was sad. And then. You know, it's crazy because this might be the first loss we've had on the greatest sitcom in American history, arguably. I don't I like I put it up there, top ten, but like friends is is this is this is huge. Um yeah, Matthew Perry, he he struggled. He 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 wanted the attention but didn't like it, but always wanted to be the one to be funny. Um and uh, I've seen a lot of interviews with him and who knows? I guess he was found in the hot tub. Um, whether or not it was something that happened unprovoked or not remains to be seen. But uh, just two people that really rewarded the people that consumed uh, the, you know, the the content they put out. Dave, yeah, Night Court to me was always one of those really. I think it's an underrated sitcom I, when you consider it. And I know it's a victim of the era that it was in and everything else that was going on around that, which was so fantastic that it, it kind of just gets lost in the shuffle, which is unfortunate because it was a tremendous show. Richard Mole as bull, um, like Tony was saying his, his delivery of that role. And when he would talk in there, it, it, it didn't exactly jive with this giant man who just kind of like a little bit soft-spoken, a little bit, you know, monotone in his delivery, but just very funny in everything that he did. Um, underrated like the show is as a whole I, you know matthew perry though that's that's I, I agree with tony it's the first one of the of the gang and 54 that's my age you know so yeah i i can relate to this very well um but like you're saying you know hot tubs are dangerous things you know we've there's stories back when hot tubs were in vogue in the late 80s early 90s you heard these stories about people drowning in them because they get too relaxed and they fall asleep you exacerbate that like they warn you don't drink alcohol in here because it's got a really bad effect so you know it does raise the specter that if he was doing something maybe that's kind of what led to the whole unfortunate situation i don't know but it's it's like like friends is not my favorite show i appreciate the hell out of it and there's lots of it that i really like i think it was a very cleverly done show um i would probably you know you know, it's right there with Seinfeld as far as like clever sitcoms that I really enjoy, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I'm sure the details will come out over the next few weeks. But it's uh yeah, that was a real blow when I forget one of you who yeah. was it was a DJ who posted that yesterday or was it you, Pat? I don't know. It was, it was you. Me. It was you. Um that just came so far out of nowhere. And it's, it's just right. like one of those I things you say, don't expect. 
Real, real quick, I will say that they, according to reports, no drugs were found at the scene and no foul play was reported. Drugs found at the scene versus drugs in a system. No, I get you. <laughs> right. I get you. I agree. But no drugs were found at the scene and no foul play was reported. So, yeah, it sucks. It sucks and it's sad. So, you know, raise a glass, happy trails, um, Richard Mole and, and Matthew Perry. All right, fellas. That brings us to the final segment of the show. What you watching? Dave Ongar, you go first this week. What you watching, man? Uh, nothing really different. I did finish Encounters, that Netflix limited series. Um, and the last episode was really good because it was talking about the uh, UFO involvement in the, uh, you know, Fushinaka, the, when the nuclear reactors exploded out there and how a lot of belief that they got involved and may have prevented a much bigger catastrophe, catastrophe from taking place. But kind of the way, like the way the Japanese approach the whole situation, as opposed to how it's approached in the United States. Um, I thought yeah, if, if you're remotely interested in, in UAPs and this phenomenon, which seems to make headlines now every single week. And now, you know, you got, we're on the precipice of a global, global catastrophe with a war happening. Um, yeah, you wonder if there might be some intervention coming if you remotely believe in this stuff. So it's a really good show, and I would recommend that to anybody remotely interested in the UFO phenomenon. So finish it up. Double thumbs up for me. Wish they would have had like four more episodes. PZ Tunny, what you watching? Uh, Nate Bargetzi, uh Saturday Night Live with the Foo Fighters as musical uh, guest. Excellent. Uh, everything about it. Uh, Dave Grohl is in a couple sketches. In addition... I watched Cable Guy yesterday. Still great. Still great. Still great. Check it out. Cable Guy. The Password. Fourth kid. Ah, classic. I do love that movie very, very much. It is my favorite Jim Carrey. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, we, you know, Jack, for me, Jack, for Black, me Jack Black is in that movie. People don't remember that. Yeah, he's the best friend. He's Matthew, uh, Matthew Rogers' best friend. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show. Myself and the Little O'Dowd have started. We're in season two now of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Just, um, just a hilarious damn show. And the Little O'Dowd loved, he loved Parks and Rec, which is the reason why we got into this is because Parks and Rec was um, the writers of, sorry, the writers of Brooklyn Nine-Nine started as writers on Parks and Rec. And so... If you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, some of the fun Easter eggs are finding people who were part of Parks and Rec, who are actors in Parks and Rec in some way, shape, or form that are kind of like part of that family that have been brought into Brooklyn Nine-Nine and being able to recall episodes and things like that. But, uh, you know, I've never been a big Andy Samberg guy, like ever. Like, he's been been entertaining and, and fun, but he's never been like, he's... To me, and this is not fair, so I'm going to say this and acknowledge it's not fair, but to me, I was like, oh, so he's Adam Sandler, except for like the next generation, and people get really mad about that, but that's how I saw him, like when I saw like the movies he was putting out and what he would do, and folks would get incensed at that. I'm like, whatever. Both of them were making money hand over fist, so it doesn't really matter. Um, But Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's every every character, few few things make the little doubt like laugh out loud guffaw like not able to stop laughing and brooklyn 99 has done that to him on more than one occasion uh he is a big fan of diaz he is a big fan of um peralta uh andy, andy samber's character of course and uh captain holt is is just funny funny shit and to see that dude just deadpan everything is half the fun of brooklyn 99 
how much fun do you think Andre Brower had doing that? Oh God, you could tell he was having like you could tell he absolutely loves playing this role. It's hysterical. Tonight we're gonna check out Five Nights at Freddy. Freddy's available to watch streaming on Peacock, uh, so you don't have to go to the theaters. Did win the box office this week though. Breaked in seventy eight million dollars despite poor critical reviews. That's all you need to know about the theater. So. There you have it, folks. That's what we've got this week, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Earth. Before we get out of here, though, fellas, do a quick once around. Tell them where to find you on the Chairshot Radio Network and on the socials. This week, we will start with uh, PC Tunney. Follow me at PC Tunney, and don't forget Chairshot Radio Network got you covered. Sports entertainment and sports entertainment. Yeah. David Ungar. You can follow me on the uh, platform formerly known as Twitter on X at fire ron rivera now that is my new uh, burner account uh you can also follow <laughs> fire don't be an enemy dave don't be an enemy <laughs> yeah don't be an enemy uh anyway you can also follow me follow on my actual playing for your nfl woes that's right you can fo- actually follow me on x at attitude ag that is at attitude agg facebook.com slash attitude of aggression threads instagram at attitude of aggression all one word and of course if we've said anything that pisses you off or you disagree vehemently with our opinions, send your hate tweets to at it's me DPP because Tony, he loves that stuff, right? Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, he loves it. And you can follow me on the X Twitter at wrestling realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can also follow me on threads and Instagram at the same handle. Follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter as well, at Bandwagon Nerds. We put up a poll last week about whether or not Star Wars should be rebooted. Pretty emphatic no from, from the folks that voted. So guess we've solved that problem for you, Matthew Vaughn. Um, yeah, hope everybody enjoyed the show this week. That's going to do it for us. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and watch some Night Court and Friends reruns. Great, great shows. Enjoy it. Easy enough to find on the Peacock, on TBS, on any number of streaming services. There you go. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. He went away, and you hung around, and bothered me every night. And I wouldn't go out with you. You said things that weren't very nice. My boyfriend's back, and you're gonna be in trouble. here and keep an eye on him. I don't want him roaming around in this condition. (laughs) (laughs) So we took the ring of fire. (laughs) I'll humor him till it hurts. (laughs) 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 Anyway, I'm leaving. Oh, wait, no. Uh, 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 Harry said to stay here. Get out of my way, Dan. No, I have specific instructions not to let you leave. Move.
or I will invent the human pretzel. <laughs> I have my instructions. Oh, you're uh, you're going. I'm not without you, lover. <laughs> So, this is my bra. It's very, very nice. Well, come here. I'm very happy we're going to have all the sex. You should be. I'm very bendy. I'm going to kiss you now. Not if I kiss you first. I guess there's nothing left for us to do but but kiss. Here it comes. Our first kiss. Okay, 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 fine. You, you win. I can't have sex with you. And why not? Because I'm in love with Monica. You I love you, Monica. I love you too, Chandler. I just, I thought you guys were doing it. I didn't know you were in love. <laughs> Dude. And hats off to Phoebe. Quite a competitor. <laughs> and may I say, your breasts are still short. God. So that's it. It's over. Everybody knows. Well, actually, Ross doesn't. Yes, and we'd appreciate it if no one told him yet. Yeah. <laughs> BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.